I'm Marcy. And I'm Akko. And welcome to the Color Pages Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds. Yes, yeah. We have and are focusing on writers from colorful backgrounds for what we would say is like three seasons now. Yeah. Woo! So it's wild. <laughs> like we're still in the game. Right. Holy right. shit. <laughs> what? <laughs> Someone's like, they're not getting past the first round. And we're like, joke's on you. Round three. Right. <laughs> we're actually in the semifinals and they're like, wow, look at how there's no competition. It's like, <laughs> oh, but you know, like we made it. So yeah, it's like we're starting our like new like full novel section again. Yeah, yeah, here we are. So, and you know. Life is cyclical. It comes in seasons, perhaps. Um, And with this changing season, we're going Mm. to return to a book we read earlier. So we're actually going to read book two of the Broken Earth trilogy, Obelisk Gate. Mm -hmm. Yes. So if y'all remember, our literal first episode was talking about a book called Fifth Season by N.K. Jemisin. And so this is the second book of that series. Um, low-key we got some requests where people were like oh like can't wait for y'all to read the rest of the broken earth trilogy series and we were like oh right look at, <laughs> look at that oh yeah girl you know we definitely got to that shit and i was like oh girl we gotta, we gotta read that shit oh uh, yeah so it's three books total we're reading the second one we will see when we read the third one it'll probably be off in the future at some point but yeah we just want to revisit it and just kind of talk about the things yeah yeah so, so just a quick reminder on the author mk jemison so, Nora K. Jemison is a New York Times best-selling author of speculative fiction, short stories, and novels. She lives mm-hmm. and writes in Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn. Um, Come on. In 2018, <laughs> she became the first author to win three best novel Hugos in a row for this Come trilogy. On. What? Come on. She has also won a Nebula Award, two Locus Awards, and a number of other honors. So, you know... What you do this morning? Ate some cereal? Literally, literally tense across the board. Like, I mean, yeah. are there any critiques? Like, I feel like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like editors be getting the manuscripts like, yeah, just just publish it. They're like, like throw it in the publishing perfect. <laughs> Right. Just, it's it's actually gold. Um, They're like, so, yes. get the wood blocks out. We got to print this. Okay. Um, right. <laughs> it's 1913. Okay. So, <laughs> so before we kick off. To our, our our regular scheduled programming, I have a question. Hey, what's your question? No, well, Marcy really doesn't know this question because I blacked it out on our script, so he doesn't know what's up. It's it's complete. Yep. So here's yep. a big reveal. Okay, here you go, Marcy. <laughs> <laughs> you were born a still. Oh, by the way, this is going to reference the book. So, you know, we're going to use the word. So you were born a still, meaning you have no mm-hmm. powers. And you were raised mm-hmm. to fear and hate origin. And then mm-hmm. you have an origin child. How do you or would you try to get over the hatred that the world taught you? And how would you protect your child? And what oh. if you were both origin and hiding? Oh, shit. Okay. Okay. Interesting question. Okay, so just to put this a little bit in context for people listening. So so we'll get into more details, obviously. But, like, this series essentially explores, like, the apocalypse, more or less. Um, They call it, like, it's, like, cyclical, and they call it, like, the fifth season. Um, And so origins are these 
people that can like essentially manipulate the earth more or less but yes. they're like super hated in society it's like this whole thing also by the way this kind of goes without saying but like listening to the first two episodes yeah that would help. be helpful in listening to this like we'll try to summarize it but girl like i mean like 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 this is season it, it just, two it come on be- <laughs> come on right so yes okay so if I was a still, which means I was essentially not an origin or had any other um, noteworthy characteristics or powers, um, <laughs> I, oh my God. Okay. Right? So I don't know how stills learn that origins are evil. I guess evil, quote unquote, or like should deserve to be hated or like whatever that is. Like, I'm not sure what the associations are. Like if it's like, oh, they think that origins are just like evil or they just find there's just not even like a reason behind it. Like there's just like this like general malice that no one really examines. It's just kind of there. Mm. So knowing what I know of myself, if I, I, I think what I would try to do is just try to like find other origins maybe which is hard because like origins tend to be super stealth like they're like okay girl if no one can clock them an origin i'm gonna just like be that and just live under the radar and like which is kind of like some interesting parallels in like actual life but we can get into that later but um so if i could find like a community of origins or folks who are more out as origins i would i think try to go about that and maybe see like okay like girl i have this origin child what the (sighs) fuck how do I be like not horrible? Like how do I like try to, you know, <laughs> not be terrible? Cause I'm gonna just assume that this is like like assuming this narrative, like it's probably maybe the first time I've like really had to like sit down and like think about this. Right. So I would try to find other people and like just try to like I guess learn as much as I can. Also, too, I would imagine if I like lived on the stillness again, that's like the continent that all of this takes place on. Like I would I might do that thing where I'm like, oh, you know, like they're an origin, but, like, they're still my child. Maybe initially, like, I'd be like, oh, they're just my child. And it's like, okay, yes, but they're also, they can be both. They can be both. <laughs> right, at the same or, time. You know, like, it's actually not mutually <laughs> exclusive, sis. But, like, maybe, like, if I, if I just had a lot to overcome, like, I would, like, try to focus on that. And then, yeah, try to find, like, other origins. Um, protecting them? Ooh, child. Okay, right? so origins, it's low-key kind of on-site for real. Like, if anyone clocks yeah. into an origin, like, it's kind of immediate violence like it's that's kind of just how that goes down so and being a still i would definitely be on i would probably and i'll admit this i'll probably just be that person where like you know like my origin child would later be in therapy and be like wow marcy was the worst because x y and z and it's like you right but um they were gonna kill you right like it's just like like let's just focus on survival so i think i would very much be like hopefully after someone learning i'd be like okay you know like you're an origin. I'm still working through that. But at the end of the day, like, it's fine if I know and, like, trusted people know. But, girl, like, people cannot know this. That or I would be like, you know what? Are there any, like, origin comms? Like, because mm. origins tend to not be violent towards other people. It's just usually the other way around. So I'm like, mm. if I could find, like, a majority origin place, or at least a place that had, like, a fulcrum or, like, a large origin population. A fulcrum, by the way, is, like, an origin school. Like, maybe that? It's a hard question, right? Yeah, it's like, do I just sort of, like, put myself more so in, like, that space? I think that's probably what I'd be more likely to do than just be like, oh, you're an origin, but, like, don't be an origin. You know what I mean? Like, but that's the problem like, is, up. like, the fulcrum's kind of evil, right? Like, it is evil. Yeah. And you can, like, travel to another com, but also, like, this is an apocalypse. You know, like, nobody, like, finding Miov was kind of, like, a lucky 
Miova is this like place commune that was happy and fun and basically a utopia till the guardians came and destroyed it. But like, mm-hmm. that's not an easy place to find. Every com like kills origins. Yeah. Right. So I, I honestly don't even know if it's like, okay, like I would just stay put mm. or just try to find some origins, even if they're like in the sunken place. Girl, I don't even know. Um, right. TBD, one of those two options. Um, <laughs> and if I found out that I was an origin through this process, <laughs> I don't know what the mental health infrastructure looks like on the stillness. I don't know what like therapy looks like. I would app the way I would enroll immediately. If I wasn't already in that shit, I would be like, bitch, I need to actually three times a week. I need to like (laughs) really process this. But I do think in a way I would also feel like much closer to my child, but I would also feel like kind of inept at the task of raising them. Cause it's like, damn, like we have this shared characteristic and I did, I literally didn't even know this about myself. So how am I even supposed to raise you to be a child that knows they're an origin when I didn't even have that experience? It almost feels like I like evaded some shit. Like I, I feel mm-hmm. like it would just lead to a lot of guilt. Um, Wait, but probably if you, a lot of survival skill too, honestly. That's true. But if you were, so you'd, because I feel like the origins all know their origins, like, right. Cause the kids, the babies right. can do it. So if you were able to get to, you know, child having, child, it's not weird that I have a kid yeah. age and hadn't, like, killed anyone with your origin and powers, wouldn't that make you, like, the most powerful origin ever? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Like, maybe. It's like I'm so low-key with it. Yeah. Like, I didn't even... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then I would like become a spy and like my child and I would just like go on like wacky adventures and it become like this like spinoff. Um, I like so this. yeah, so I, I think, like this. <laughs> I think that's how I would go about it. What about you? What do you, what do you think? Yeah. I want it to be like, well, I just like, I'd be the perfect parent. I would like love my child. And obviously I wouldn't give in to like the stereotypes of the world because I'm full of love. But you're like, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> no. The stillness <laughs> is trauma. That like just call it trauma, trauma, trauma. Yeah, everyone, it's, it's just everyone strong. is like it's just it's a mess. Yeah. So, so I'm like, why do you think? I mean, you have to think you're better than all of humans to think that you're above <laughs> stereotypes. <laughs> so that's so that's why I chose this question because I was reading this book and I was like, man, G just sucks, which he does. But he does, he does, but we think we would do so much better. And if there's anything that 2020 has taught me is that we won't do anything better. Than <laughs> We're actually not like nothing is better. Um, yeah. But um, yeah. so yeah, I think I would have the kid. I think I would have to have a moment. Like I'd have to make a, a decision. And I think this is actually true for real life. There's a point when you have the stereotypes and you have to make a decision if that's the person you're going to be. Sometimes it's triggered mm. by something. Sometimes it's not. So that's the first thing right. that I can't control. Oh, I can control. But whether I have the epiphany or not, let's assume I have it. So then I would probably run away because I'm a runner, not a fighter. <laughs> I grab that kid, put him in a wagon. Ha-cha! And I'm off to the next, you know. And then, I, yeah, I think I would like suss out places. But the only thing uh-huh. that I'm worried about is if you're a still and you have an origin kid, they can like destroy stuff and you can't stop them because it seems like other yeah. origins can come you know so i'm worried about that so i think i'd be rolling around like whispering maybe trying to find like you said a commune that's like okay Mm -hmm. um but i think maybe since i wouldn't know what the fulcrum is about i think i would be like oh this must be this must be a good idea like i would be like oh yeah yeah 
Of course, like this, my child is alive and they'll be safe there. I don't know about cyanide or not cyanide, Shafa coming in and breaking people's hands and all these tests and stuff. Yeah. And they'll say things like, oh, they're going to become an XX ringer and people are going to respect them. I think, uh, yeah, like I I think I'd be so afraid that there'd be no answer that the idea of this fulcrum like would be Mm. enough for me. Yeah, of course. And I wouldn't think about it. I wouldn't examine it any harder because... I wouldn't think I had any other options and I would be like this. It sounds good on paper. So right. there, yeah, that's, Oh man, that's hard to admit your failings, but I think that's what would happen. And that's the thing. I'm like, I'm literally going to traumatize this child. Like regardless yeah. of the path I take, like it's like, because even if I were origin and knew it, it's like, I mean, you would still have yeah. to be like, and, and we'll get into this, but yeah, you still kind of have to get your kids together. And it's, it's, Oh my god! If you're orgy, then you're worried, and you, maybe you're like falcom trained. Like you could be like, "Oh man, what if they take my kid and put him in a node or something?" Ciao. Whew. The thoughts I'm sure Eason was having, which informed right. her behavior, we will get into. Uh-huh, <laughs> we will get uh-huh. into that. Oh my! Oh my god! Okay. Oh, this well, was a good discussion. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we learned some faults and failures in ourselves, but you know, ultimately realized our humanity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm, I'm into that. I, I, I like that narrative. I like that framing. So we're just going we to move with that. Yeah. But um, but yes, but let's take a little bit of a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about part one of Obelisk Gate. Yay. So I guess after realizing that we're not perfect um, and are actually <laughs> able to perpetuate trauma, I'm like, well, fuck. Um, okay, so I guess now we can go- get into the part one summary of Obelisk Gate. So super quickly, again, if you want to know what happens at the fifth season, like just check out episodes one and two and we, we go into a whole rundown. It's actually a really good summary that I personally use myself because I was like, oh, girl, we're trying to read Obelisk Gate, but girl, what the fuck happened at the fifth season? That was a <laughs> smooth year and a half ago. Um, so yeah, I like listened to the episodes, shameless plug of to the Color Pages Book Club, which you're already listening to, but um, I was I'm like, dead. wow, this is like a really <laughs> good summary. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, I really feel like I like know what happened in the book and the discussion was really like, oh, so yeah, anyway, so yeah, so done with that. Um, okay. So just super quickly, just to like, I guess, very quickly summarize the plot. Basically, what happens at the fifth season is that, like like I said, every couple of, I guess, centuries, there's something called the fifth season, which is basically when the world just like Wait, falls into the apocalypse. There's a season, but it doesn't have to be the fifth season. I think they're just in the literal fifth season. Oh. Although there's been a serious? lot of seasons. I, yeah, they were saying there was like 25 or something. So I don't know. What, but I think it's just a season. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was unclear if it was huh because i was like i was interpreted as like oh like autumn winter all that like it's just like the fifth season yeah you're correct metaphorically but they're called right like it's like a play on the the four seasons that we have we don't have but like what if the apocalypse was cyclical like as if it was a season interesting at least i think the the, the people the reader is going to be like she actually didn't understand and marcy was right Well, regardless, so there's something called the fifth season. Basically, yeah, the world falls into calamity and apocalypse, and it's a fucking shit show. And so basically, during all of this, um, you know, typically, like, comms communities 
will like try to come together and like fend for each other and just like basically motherfuckers just trying to stay alive. So mm-hmm. amidst all of this, there's like we mentioned, there's a class of people called origins who essentially can manipulate the earth. There's also other groups of people known as like stone eaters, um, which are like these kind of mystical people that we'll get into. But also there's like stills, which are people who don't have powers and like it's it's like this whole to do. So in the first book, you're essentially learning about this person named oh a spoiler alert, I guess that's just whatever. Um so you're learning about someone <laughs> named Eason, um, who essentially you're kind of just following her life throughout time so when she was like a younger child up until like her current age she's about like in her i would say early maybe mid 40s now Easton's an origin and so you're kind of just following her life where she like had to you know go to the school called the fulcrum where she like learned to like use her origin powers and then she like moved to this place called Miove and like had this polyamorous relationship but then these people are called the guardians who like uh, they fuck c- up origin they control uh, the origin because in the society yeah. everyone hates them so exactly the only way an origin is allowed to stay alive is if they go to the fulcrum and then there's a guardian who makes them legible to society and it makes society Basically. think they're safe mm-hmm. right so essentially it kind of just follows like Eason's life so like she has this oh and her buddy alabaster oh yeah it's like Eason alabaster this guy named enon Enon dies in the book. Alabaster doesn't die in the book. It looks like he did, but he didn't. Um, and then blah, 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 blah. She's like, oh, the fifth season. Um, Eason has a, in her current life, has like a child named, well, just two, well, she had two, ch- okay. So she has, so she was married to this guy named Jija and she has these two children, Nason and Uche. Um, you find this out in like literally the first chapter of the first book. Uche was killed by Jija. Um, mm-hmm. So her child was killed by um, her husband. The fa- Right, her husband, the father. And so that kind of sets off a lot of the, the events in book one and so you're kind of following Eason trying to like find Nason and Jija and she kind of like through this whole like roller coaster of events ends up in this community called Kastrima which is like mm-hmm. pretty much not all origins like I thought it was but like a large amount of people are origins and yeah. it's like led by this woman named Yika and like Lerna who's like this friend that Eason has from like her village um, he's like a doctor like is also there um alabaster, oh, alabaster shows there. up <laughs> lord knows and alabaster why. shows up after like 10 years and he's like oh like have you ever heard of the moon and he's like what so that's pretty much how that's basically the story we skipped hella sh- hell sh- i mean if you want to know go- just read it yeah or go listen to that episode yeah I mean, it, was, it was really helpful um but yes so that's pretty much fifth season. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really funny just to kind of bring up. So like when we were like talking about the, I guess, part two of fifth season, like we were just talking about the whole book as a whole. Um, we had like some theories. Like I like I remember at one point I was like, I feel like Jija's a guardian. Like Jija like has to be a guardian, which was false as fuck. Like just incorrect that a motherfucker. And I, and I also thought that like guardians were like stills who were born by origin parents. Like if you were origins and you like the gay birth were like a still child, like you would like that child will automatically be a guardian which is also i don't th- i'm pretty sure that's not true I'm we don't sleep, necessarily know yeah. about the- we don't know we don't know yeah the guardians are still kind of a mystery mm-hmm. so like that could maybe low-key be true but i just thought that would be like cute to bring up yeah i definitely thought that jija didn't kill uchi and something else happened um and i also thought that she would find jija <laughs> she hasn't yet Ethan has not found jija yeah. yet so but that could also still happen the hook's not over oh wouldn't that be a meeting right <laughs> who yeah how, on, like, site, I, on site hey, on on i i honestly hope for jesus case that he just never comes like facts like Ethan gonna come with the hands she gonna come with like eight hands you're yeah. gonna be like girl how'd you get six extra hands <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck <laughs> it's, it's gonna be a mess hands so, of revenge exactly like ooch, like oh but then maybe because of her because of her previous child that she killed 
to avoid if she didn't she killed the child to avoid them getting taken by the fulcrum mm-hmm. because you know in a sense that they were going to torture the kid or take him to a node we don't know and she couldn't bear that it was very yeah. um was it amistad what's the one with it no it's very um not the bluest eye what is that story it's a Toni Morrison story. Oh my God, which, I know what you're talking about. Um, um, Song of Salt. No, it's not Song of Solomon. Did Beloved have some show? Beloved. Like that? It's Beloved. Thank okay. you, love. Thank you, love. <laughs> I'm like, that sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes. Okay, so without any more preamble, let's mm. get into essentially what happens in Opalus Cave. So the way we're going to split this up is that basically, so this story up to this point essentially follows. Eason in sort of one camp and then Shafa, which gross, who was Eason's previous guardian when she was in the fulcrum. Shafa, as well as Eason's daughter, Nason. Mm-hmm. The two of the, the latter two, Shafa and, and Nason, are sort of more linked together. So we'll kind of like talk about them at the same time. So I'm going to start talking about Eason and then Akko will kind of get into what happens with, with Shafa and Nason specifically. Mm-hmm. Okay. So essentially where the book picks up, Eason's in Kastrima, which again, is this underground community that has a lot of origins and stone eaters and stills, basically kind of like coming together because the world's an apocalypse and they're like, girl, we in a damn apocalypse, like we need to like stick together, girl, I don't know. So Eason's there and there's a whole family reunion of motherfuckers, including Hoa, who's like the stone eater that's kind of been with her, chilling throughout pretty much all of book one, Taki, who's a geomest who pretty much did the same, Lerna, who's like a doctor that she like was with in Tiramo, which is a village she used to live in, but then the apocalypse and then mm-hmm. whatever. Um, Alabaster, who she was like, who was like pretty much her like old mentor slash like sometimes lover. Mm-hmm. One of the parents of, of her like previous child, Corundum. Yeah, there's some history there. So By the well. way, Alabaster, yeah, so he's essentially asking her, do you know what a moon is? Eason's like, what the fuck are you talking about? We come to find out that essentially Alabaster was the one who started this current season. Mm. So he like sent this rift through the stillness, which is a continent that they live on. And it just fucked everyone's shit up, threw them in a, se- like a season immediately. Apocalypse, just, we're dying. Right. Alabaster, he did that. And Antimony is a stone eater that usually accompanies him. If you remember, Antimony was the one who, so in Miav, when like, the Guardians were taking over. Antimony was the one that just, like, grabbed Alabaster and, like, <laughs> threw him into the earth. Yeah, that was her. Um, Super weird. She's back. Yeah, so it's just, like, a bunch of ran- ran- random, random people. So, yes. So, essentially, you know, whatever, whatever, the moon, apocalypse, etc. Also, by the way, she mentioned real quick, Alabaster's turning to stone. Yes, he is. We're still trying to fully parse out why. All we know is that when he started the season, like, when he, like, sent that rift that, like, destroyed the world, he started turning into stone then. Mm-hmm. It seems like Antimony's eating him. Maybe? Yeah. Like, every... Yeah! He's turning to stone <laughs> slowly. Like, anytime he uses origin power... Now, a part of his body turns into stone, and then antimony. He just he just turns into stone, and then um yeah. So needless to say, Alabaster like just physically is like gets way more easily exhausted. Mm-hmm. Can't really exert himself too much. It's I mean, Mama just sent a rift that destroyed everything. Like it, right. it's fine. <laughs> it's like he's kind, so basically Alabaster's kind of dying slowly. Is yes. is what we're parsing here. But yeah, so that's kind of where we're, where we're picking up. So basically, yes. So Alabaster, Eason, they're chatting. And he's like, hey, would you mind going upstairs? Mind you, the, the comm is underground. So he's like, hey, would you mind just going upstairs and just like checking out these obelisks real quick? Real quick, the obelisks are these like flying figures in the sky. No one really knows that much about them. Yeah. So Eason's like, why? And Alabaster's like, 
just do it? <laughs> She's like, okay. And so she like goes upstairs um, or above ground and she like feels this one obelisk, the one that Alabaster was telling her to look into. But then in the distance, she felt this other obelisk yes. like hurling towards them. It's like obsidian and big as fuck. And she was like, oh yes. shit. And so she goes back to Alabaster. <laughs> She's like, hey girl, yes, I found that obelisk that you were chatting about, but uh, I found this other one that is like obsidian, big as fuck, flying towards us. Um, you know something about that? He was like, oh girl, um, yeah, but like, you know, I didn't really, I mean, I didn't really, I, I mean, that's impressive that you felt it. And she's like, are we going to, we're going to like do something about that? And he's like, uh, no. <laughs> she's like, um, so a mess. Um, moving on. So in this interim period, you kind of find out that Kostruma is like this old civilization has kind of come back into relevance. Mm. La, 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 la. Fast forwarding it a little bit. Basically one day, everyone's just kind of like going about their lives without incident. And then they just hear this like blood curdling scream outside. And they're like, fuck. So come to find out. So in this calm, they have this group of people called hunters, which used to be like a class that people could elect to be, but like they kind of went away in previous seasons. So it's kind of interesting that like hunters are back, I guess. Mm. But basically, there was a hunter who was outside hunting, um, and it came across <laughs> these like these like hunting. I don't boy, know <laughs> these like beetles that like essentially they like live in geishers and like they or is it geysers how do you pronounce that word geysers guys there we go um so they live in these geysers and they like i guess attach to people and like boil their flesh it's it's uh it's well, just, frankly disgusting when it's not a season they're just beetles that like drink water and collect them but when it's a season ah, yes. everything's terrible and so now like the <laughs> world's op- ripped open and there's guys everywhere so now they're drinking boiling water and so like mm. you know like normally a beetle lands on you and you're like ew and you slap it away or you're like <laughs> i care about the world and the environment and you shoot it away softly but um, right. <laughs> but now it's like, oh, crap. <laughs> right. It, it will actually fuck your shit up. Yeah. Um, so basically, so it is currently fucking this hunter's shit up mm-hmm. um, in that like, like these beetles is like attached to his legs and they're like boiling the flesh and it's like super fucked up. The yep. doctors are like, bitch, what the fuck? And so Alabaster is like weirdly there in the infirmary where all this is happening. Also, Eason, I don't really, I mean, she's there, but I'm kind of like, I'm, why? Why? Like, yeah. it's like, sis, you're not a doctor, no shade, but like, uh, okay. So... Alabaster kind of like he kind of like gives Ethan this hint subtly that like oh you can use your origin powers to like separate the beetles from this person's leg so like she does and everything just kind of like moves on we're like moving on whatever whatever at this point Ethan and Lerna get the chance to kind of have a conversation because like they hadn't really been like chatting that much I guess throughout all of this and basically Lerna kind of comes at her with some heat like he's mm-hmm. like hey so um what exactly are you doing here like why are you here and Ethan's like I mean I'm trying to like find Nason he's like but like are you because Nason's like still out in the world with Jija and you're like just kind of chilling like what are you doing and she's mm-hmm. like um um and he's like I'm gonna eat a sandwich and walk away and she's like uh uh He's also, so, I mean, if I remember, he's like pretty much like, are you going to destroy this? And I'm going to be calmless again and have to survive for myself in the wilderness. And you're like, oh, right. She did destroy Tiramu and probably everyone. Which he is a funny detail that I conveniently forgot about. You're totally right. Yeah. Like she literally, like they all lived in Tiramu and she just destroyed it. So yeah. there's some, there's some tension, some heat there, mm. but um, whatever. So, and Ethan herself is kind of like, girl, I don't even know. Like, <laughs> right. 
my daughter's still out there. I'm trying to find her, but also like we're in a seat. Like I, I don't even know where my, she this is. This is the second child I've lost, and like technically I've lost this third one. <laughs> right, it's like technically the third at this point. Like it's just like Eason. I think it's just trying to like move through the malaise of like trying to navigate an apocalypse, which mm-hmm. is like fair. Um, yeah. So Tonki, if y'all remember, is the GMS from like who was like named Binoff for a second, but then like you know was this, pretended to be Calmless in the first book and like was following Eason because like oh yeah by the way so these obelisks that are in the sky have been like following Eason low key so Tonki like followed her and Eason was like that's super invasive and she's like yeah but like I still did it and then I'm still here I'm like still in the competition I guess <laughs> and she's like I mean I guess you are so like basically Eason and Tonki are like chit chat and whatever and basically like so. Alabaster and Ethan have been having these conversations about like the obelisk and it's been super confusing and Ethan has no idea what the fuck we're talking like what's going on. So she kind of talks to Tonki and she's like, hey girl, what what is up? Because I feel like there's all this lore about the obelisk and the moon and all this other shit. I don't really know what's going on, but like, can you just explain it? Whatever. And Tonki's like, yeah, girl, I don't really know all about all that shit. All I really know is that like obelisks, they just they they kind of fly in orbit around like a primary. So kind of in the way that like, you know, the moon goes around the earth, like the earth would be a primary, the moon would be like the satellite here. So she's like, they kind of function like that. But more more than that, like, so Tonki comes from, like, the super, like, influential family back in Yemenis, which is, like, which was the capital of the stillness. And I guess her family had these, like, secret family scriptures that basically revealed that the obelisks were kind of created when the world was about to fall apart a long-ass yeah. time ago. And it's kind of rumored that they can, like, stop it. For, like, they can stop further seasons from happening. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of, like, made in this preventative way. But they could also be useful in the future to stop future seasons. And if you remember in the first book, when Tonki snuck into the fulcrum with Eason at that time like they were like looking around the fulcrum and they kind of found this like weird cave thing like apparently that's like where some of the obelisks might be made some shit like that so that's what the girls are saying apparently but she was like but more than that Tonki was like yeah like there's seasons weren't always a thing Mm -hmm. like this is like a more recent development in human history and Easton's like what do you mean and she's like well think about it I mean animals like for example when you think about the beetles or when you think about carcusas which are like these kind of like weasel like animals they change in a sort of evolutionarily convenient way when a season happens. Like, they physically change because, like, there's, like, an adaptation there, right? And, and like, that kind of, like, elects, like, I guess, which species continue on in the future. But, like, humans haven't really done that. Like, we haven't really developed the capacity in an organic way to, like, suss our way through this. We just kind of, like, drag our asses through <laughs> it and just pray that we make it and grow. It just, we just kind of wait in, like, ignorant bliss until, like, the next one happens. Like, she's like, we haven't adapted to it, which makes which leads me to believe that it's not our species isn't like adapted to this is not a naturally occurring event and he says like that's a really interesting way of framing that but i think you're right and she's like of course i'm right i'm tonky fuck you mean and she's like okay okay dude maybe not (laughs) no that didn't happen anyway so that's kind of where it's like okay so seasons aren't just like this innate part of the world they're like a newer thing so it's like okay there was clearly a form of like before this what caused this although newer is still like ten thousand years but they're still like but humans existed we still existed before the seasons Uh, right like hella long mm-hmm. so yeah so that pretty much happens and so okay so i'll just i'll just be honest with y'all Eason, there's not really a lot that goes on but it does kind of like do like her arc it kind of does a good job of just kind of explaining the world around them and the events that take place but there's not really that many like events that happen it's just a lot of conversations so basically after this conversation with tonki Eason's like okay girl let's talk to alabaster because like this bitch has secrets and like she's not really spilling the tea and I need that tea. So she goes to Alabaster and she's like, hey, you know, what's up? What's up? Alabaster kind of like starts to talk a little bit about what happened back in Mio when he was like dragged underneath the ground by like antimony and essentially has Eason look into his arm for a second. <sighs> his arm is turning to yeah. stone. 
And he's like, she, he's like, ooh, what do you see inside? And she's like, I don't know. And he's like, it's magic. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Um, other people so get like, a wine. Other people get like a cauldron. <laughs> right. He's like, oh, like, and he's like, oh, it's magic. And Ethan's like, sure. I, I'm so tired. Um, and so basically, uh, like, Albasta's like, and yes, Origini, I think it's, it comes from magic. And Ethan's like, you know what? I'm, I'm tired. I'm just, I, I would just go outside. I, girl, I'll just catch you later. This like, <laughs> is just all a lot. Um, Lerna's fucking mad at me. Taki is just being herself. You are just weird as fuck. Hoa is still just <sighs> being Hoa with the stones. Oh, by the way, Hoa like left at at one point. He, like Mama just dipped, and no one really knows Truly. where she went. So Hoa's just gone, I guess. Um, so there's like this whole subplot where like Eason and this like band of bad bitches go up above ground, and they see that in the distance, this one community like put these stakes in the ground and they like impaled these like people on them as like a warning sign. And they're like, yikes. But that is convenient in that it kind of like encourages Eason or not necessarily Eason, but people around Eason to be like, we should probably check that out. And Eason's like, we should probably take origins. But then the, so apparently the origins in Kastrima aren't really that trained. So Eason's like, I guess we have to train them. And they're like, oh, so you can train them? And she's like, that's not what I said. And they're like, oh, cool, cool. So you can, <laughs> so you can just train them. And she's like, that's super not what I said. And they're like, okay, so here are your books. She's like, bitch, what the fuck? <laughs> so Eason's like, I guess basically going to like try to train the origins or whatever to like, I, I don't know. <laughs> do <laughs> so something. Like, do, do a thing, I guess. So Eason's talking to Alabaster. She's like, okay, so I, have, I guess I have to train the girls. Like, do you have any tips? And he's like, no um i don't care about them <laughs> but i can tell you what happened for the 10 years since i last saw you and she's dead. like that actually would be interesting please actually go further like, actually please tell me what happened because i'm actually genuinely curious it's truly a subplot what happens with these <laughs> 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 like, they're like oh yeah there's like this like calm in the distance with like these impaled people should we like be concerned they're like uh, alabaster do you just want to give an exposition like yeah that actually takes way more precedence like let's just like do that and there's like okay and like me as a reader i agreed i was like yeah yeah, yeah i'm actually way more let's like that, yeah. who, who cares girl whatever um so like so alabaster basically explains that antimony who again is the stone eater that is like around him and like possibly in the like, kind of eating him basically when she like dragged him underneath the earth like she took him to like the other side of the world and basically took him to this like rift above ground where like underneath the ground there was like this volcano and there was like this land on top of it that was pretty much all stone eaters and there he kind of learned that essentially the beginning of the season so back in the day way back in the day apparently it was this i'm not sure if it was there specifically or just in, somewhere else on the stillness there was this calm of origins right mm -hmm. and they essentially utilized the obelisk to like knock the moon out of its orbit around the earth because the moon used to orbit the earth but then they knocked it out of it, it was an accident it wasn't intentional it just right. kind of happened and, and again it, it wasn't like the moon's just flying into space aimlessly they just increased the elliptical orbit of it so that it's way further from the earth now and so that kind of happened and so i guess father earth who now is like sentient or has always been really I mean, um, it's a metaphor i don't know set the world into like a season like the first apocalypse mm -hmm. and then in that time like created the stone eaters so stone eaters weren't always there but like after the first no, season they stone like, eaters appeared. are humans somehow yeah they, they they are but like essentially when they convert to stone eaters that's when they like become more humanoid than human i guess yeah they got that weird look in yeah. Their, their eyes. yeah yeah <laughs> so, like, anyway <laughs> so basically that happens and so alabaster was like yes yeah, so the origins like basically started off the first season Ethan's like that's hard to accept but i'm gonna just take your word for it 
And so he learns there that essentially in order to, so the thing that will stop the seasons from further happening is if essentially if we can get the moon to like come back to the earth. Um, right. That's one plan. I feel like there's like two teams. There's team get the moon back and then there's team just kill all the origin. Right. Or just destroy everything. Yeah. Like absolute calamity. Right. Like just unfettered calamity. <laughs> and it's like, it, that's like a vibe, I guess. But like, I'm not sure if that right. helps anyone. Um, so that's kind of like the camp that we're in, basically. And so he learns all of this. So like we said at the beginning, this season, the current one that we're in, is one that Alabaster himself started. He like literally just sent a rift, started the season. And the point of that was to basically get the moon to like knock out of its orbit early and like start coming back towards the Earth. And so now basically what needs to happen is that they need to like catch the moon as it comes back. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, though, so I'm going to rewind a little bit. So basically, when Alabaster was in that community, you know, there was this giant volcano, he one day just jumped into it. Like, he just went under the water. He just jumped out. I think he missed... He said he missed Eason. He was like, I actually missed you. And I was like, oh, you guys don't hate each other all the time. And he was like, I'll get back to you. And so he just jumped. (laughs) Basically, he just jumped to the volcano because he missed Eason. And he learned two things that were that were interesting during that he learned that the earth was alive he didn't actually go into further detail but in jumping into the volcano he realized that there was a civilization inside of it and mind you this volcano kind of serves this portal to the other side of the world but i don't think um, that civilization is still working i thought it was kind of like like an old dead sieve but he saw like lights and stuff so yeah. i feel like it might be active but and personally my theory we can get into actually i'll, I'll save my theory to later mm. basically he sees he sees a civilization and he's like, that's interesting. Um, so, yeah. So then after that, that's when he, like, learns about the whole moon orbit thing. He starts the season. La, 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 la. So goes through all of this. And Alabaster's like, yeah. So, like, that's kind of where we're at at this point. We need to catch the moon. Blah, blah, blah. And Easton's like, so I have to use the obelisk to catch the moon. And Alabaster and I guess also Antimony are like, yeah, you do. Well, she's like, should, should I just, like, use the rift and then use the obsidian one and that should work and they're like no that will kill you and then she was like well what do you want antimony who's literally snacking on alabaster as i'm trying to have this conversation <laughs> she's like oh god do i have to do everything she's like obviously the obelisks are an interconnected series and you can use them to create a gate to channel the power of the rift or like a laser beam to bring the moon back and she's right. like, oh, yeah, of course. Why didn't I uh, know that intuitively? <laughs> right. And Antimony's like, bet you didn't see that coming. And it's like, <laughs> no, it's, it's like, like also like RuPaul type of shit, like with the gags. And I'm like, this, <laughs> yeah, we, we genuinely did. We genuinely there was actually didn't. no way to have foreseen that. Right. Like, it's literally like, that's so deep in the lore, girl. Like, who knew? <laughs> You're like, I mean, I guess um, the title was Obelisk Gate, but that's only hint we <laughs> That's pretty much it. So, yeah. So, I guess that's like kind of Eason's yeah. piece. Sorry that was a little long. It's just that, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot going on. So, I don't want y'all to be like just hopelessly confused. <laughs> so yeah so i figured some more detail might be better than lesser so yeah yes. but now aka will get into what happened with nason and shafa yeah sure so so shafa we pick up with him right after he's destroyed Miov and killed enon and it, the, with the other guardians sexy ass enon i know much, but a tragedy yeah. so he's <laughs> sinking underwater because <laughs> eason was so upset that she you know like destroyed people so he's drowning and he's having like a near-death experience and he's too afraid to die so he makes a deal with whatever magic made him maybe it's father earth maybe this whole thing is a metaphor for this life and death Mm -hmm. situation i don't know anyway he makes the deal and then he he gets enough strength 
to get back to the surface. But mm-hmm. in that process, he like loses part of his memory or he, he's altered in some way. His temperament is altered. You know, Shafa before was this very put together, regal, violent human being. I mean, he's still violent, <laughs> but he was like, he seemed more right. cold and I guess more astute before, but now he's like kind of out of it. So he mm-hmm. gets to this uh, village called Meter where he meets this young origin named Itz who's hiding his origin powers. Or at least he was trying to before that whole thing happened with Miov and the obelisk and et cetera. Yeah. And so he's like, yeah, I'm trying to hide it, but my mom notices. I think she's going to tell my grandfather and he's going to kill me. And Shafa is like, oh, I remember something about being a guardian and that means I can protect origins, but also they're bad but he's like but also people shouldn't be hurting children or people they love and you're like wow shafa that's a change right. that's usually not your right mode Some legitimate character right right <laughs> and i think that it's knows immediately that he's a guardian he's like you're a guardian and like i'm safe when you're around because people trust guardians to like control origins and he's like all right well let's go back to your home and we can leave together and he's like, cool, cool, cool. So we, when we get there, it's is right about his mom knowing. She's like, hey, I think you're an origin. And he's like, but she sees the guardian. And she's like, don't take him away because his, her husband will be devastated. She's like, mm-hmm. and I'll be devastated, but I'm conflicted. And <laughs> she, and then Shaf was like, Yikes. yeah, but your grandfather won't be. And you're neither were your aunts and uncles. And she's like, yeah, you're not wrong. So we're trying to have like a conversation. It's actually like a nuanced conversation about the social political intricacies of their time. But it doesn't matter because Shaf was like, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really out of sorts. And I think it's mm. the magic. So there's the guardians we learn or we're starting to see, they don't have free will. There's something controlling them. Um mm-hmm. And usually there's like a pain in the back of their neck, probably when they're not doing what they're supposed to or what they're mm-hmm. not to, to do. And to relieve that, they usually like touch the back of an origin's neck or touch an origin and the origin's like magic soothes them. But Shafa doesn't remember that. So he touches the back of this woman's neck to relieve his pain and she dies. And he's like, huh, is that how that... uh?" that usually goes uh, i can't have anyone to ask because i'm alone and then it <laughs> comes back down and he's like probably should say bye to my mom right and shafa's like maybe not you know let's just <laughs> let's just keep going didn't didn't shafa kill his whole family no i think it was i think they was it the whole family i thought it was just the mom i thought it was a whole fit the mom definitely died but i thought that he was like i mean might as well kill everyone on the first floor then and i was like um that's an extensive logic <laughs> is that the next step shafa <laughs> i think that yeah I, well there you go who knows he, not I a mean, nice he, guy so he's not yeah yeah so uh, yeah so shafa's murdered his family so it's like all right off we go I mean, it doesn't know this happened so just a pinpoint in that the story then actually starts off with Nason. That's the first chapter, but it didn't make logical sense to tell it that way, so we're telling it this way instead. So, anyway, yeah. so Nason is like nine to ten years old, and this is before. So we get a flashback to before Teramu was destroyed, and we get to see it from Nason's perspective, which actually fills in a lot of gaps from the first book. It actually does. Yeah. So Nason's like, I want to become a lorist so I can get out of this town and run away from my mom. And there's like a side plot about lorist, but it's truly irrelevant. And so she's <laughs> atomically irrelevant. Yeah, it's just aggressively unimportant to the story. So she's. <laughs> She's coming home from her training and she sees her father, Jija, has murdered her little brother um, because he found out that he's an origin. 
And he mm-hmm. immediately looks at Nason with this killer intent. And Nason is kind of able to like calm him down by being like, hey, I'm your favorite. I'm your daughter. Remember, I'm your daughter. Please don't kill me. And he's like, he snaps mm-hmm. out of it. And he's like, okay, we got to go because I've killed Uchi and I need, I, I don't know. And he's, I think he asks if, if Eason is one too. But it doesn't matter because they get in the wagon and they, they leave. Mm-hmm. So as they're leaving, Nathan's trying to like calm him down and trying to be like, look, I'm in origin, but I'm still your daughter and I love you. And it's not my fault. Eason told me not to tell you, which she's tense or she doesn't understand that the issue isn't that she's lied to him. It's that this world aggressively hates origins um, yeah. and that her like resentment towards her mom, which she has a lot of actually is because her mom was like, you cannot tell people you need to hide this very strongly. Like you just, it cannot you cannot slip up now did mm-hmm. Easton do that in the right way not really but we'll keep go we'll get to it no so the <laughs> two didn't. are in their wagon leaving town and suddenly of course alabaster sets off the season but because Easton taught nason how to control her powers she's like yoy <laughs> and she like protects Gija. <laughs> come on and yes. just tiny yeah like it's actually dope comes and protects them and like makes a protective circle around them while like the whole world just whoop and so Gija's like, did you do this? Did you destroy everything? And she's like, uh, fam, no. You think, I, you think I'm strong enough to destroy the... I'm 10. Let's be real. Like, right. She's like, I can do like, a little. Please relax. Right. <laughs> He's, she's like, look, I tried to protect everyone, but I couldn't. And I'm like, Gija, you need to have like shorter expectations of your daughter who's 10 who still managed to save your life, but whatever. Right. So then, okay, Gija's like, oh man, this guy who's stuck in a tree, let's get him out. Like, We can help him. We can take him to the next village and see a doctor. And Nason's like, yeah, we could if the next village existed, but it doesn't because it's been destroyed because it's a season. And Gija's like, oh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay. So after that realization and the realization that her dad's probably always going to want to kill her and hate her the father-daughter broke yeah bond is kind of broken but they're still together still traveling together and they're trading goods and skills to gain access to like different comms and the season kind of Mm -hmm. moves slowly through the world so they're technically ahead of the season and so they're when they're going to a comm the comms are still not in apocalypse mode so they're able to like get supplies Mm -hmm. and keep moving um Mm -hmm. And you find out that they actually, so the whole first book when Easton's chasing after them, she's on foot and they're in a wagon. And so the basically the book's like, they, she was never going to get to them. Like, she was never. There was zero percent chance them. that was going to happen. Even with Hoa and all of her GPS, they were never Ever, ever going to catch up to them yeah ever and they were like when she when she passed when Nathan passed Kestrima and like Ika was calling people she like didn't even feel it because it was so early in the story and you're like, oh. <laughs> like Ika had just woken up from a nap and Nathan's right. like ooh dad like did you, did you feel that like I don't anyway moving on <laughs> <It's just> like... <laughs> but um so oh god it's yeah it's, it's, you're like this is rough but um so while they're traveling I think they got their wagon stolen or something there's some bandits or something but she just starts asking around about this place he's been asking if they've found the moon and Nathan's like I don't understand what's going on and the reader's like I also don't understand what's going on but we eventually <laughs> reach this area where Jija hears that people can cure her or teach her to cure herself and the comment of called, origin-ness yes of origin yes quote unquote cure herself for origin-ness which already seems right. like a snake oil salesman type of situation but here we are <laughs> 
<laughs> so the com, <laughs> the com is called Chiquiti and found a moon. It's kind of like, it's like a fake fulcrum. It's like a pseudo fulcrum thing. Yeah. And while they're getting there, they're about to get attacked again. And Nason's trying to save herself and her father, but she's like, I don't want my father to see my, to see him as a monster. And if I do origin, he hates me, so I'm not going to do it. And so then these bandits are about to kill them. And then lo and behold, Shafa rolls into the story. And he, the of course, Shafa. is murdering all the bandits because you know Shafa mm-hmm. doesn't have morality. So anyway, um, in the process, Jesus he saves them, but in the process, Jesus been hurt. So Nason uses her origin powers to save him, but she doesn't use normal origin powers. She uses she like so usually origin like call on the heat of the earth, the heat and the I don't know the steam. But she's like, I'm pulling at something else, like a different thing. I don't know what the other thing she's pulling at is, but she's she's pulling at something else. And Shafa's like, hmm, neat trick. And you're like, oh, God. So Jija is suspicious <laughs> about Shafa and this found calm. But Shafa's like, I don't know. Yeah, we can kill your daughter. Sure, sure. Why not? Yeah, that sounds like something we could do. And you're like, Shafa, are you lying? And he's like, I don't know. Go away. <laughs> so they go to this <laughs> this calm and... Nason meets all these other origin kids and she's like, oh, wow, this is dope. Like, um, this is like can be my new home. And so she's she kind of sees it as her new home and she's like she gets to practice her origin skills and she's better than pretty much everyone in the com in Found New Moon because she uses this weird kind of different power. She like relies on her instincts, which is different from what Eason taught her. Oh, she also meets mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, and they're talking, yes, they're hanging out. from Mata. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yay, the story's come full circle. So we learned through a conversation with Shafa and Nason that Eason taught her how to control her powers. And the way Nason's talking, you realize, you learn why she resents her mother. And it's because Eason basically used the fulcum techniques of violence to, like, teach her daughter how to control things, even to the mm. point of breaking her hand with a rock, which, if you remember, yeah. or you don't, Shafa did the exact same thing to Eason when she was a child, when her name was still mm. Cyanide. Or maybe her name was still Demaya at that point. It was Demaya at that point. Yeah. yeah. So Shafa then realizes whose kid she is, and he's like... There's like a weird pseudo grandfather daughter relationship, but not really because it's all just abuse. But he's like, he keeps talking about how much he loves her. And, you know, Shafa's weird Fuck. like that. So anyway, yeah. uh, he also also Shafa is like resisting the urge. So I think all the guardians in this area are resisting the urge to do whatever their leader which is unclear, is telling them to do. And because of that, it's causing them pain. And so anytime that spark of pain happens to relieve it, a guardian will like laugh or smile because it sends like this dopamine breath, which is like such a creepy image of these very like stoic Mm -hmm. people suddenly like laughing hysterically to stop this pain. But they're all doing it because this calm that they're running is like, <laughs> it's like a divergent calm. Like they're not supposed yeah. to be doing this, and they w- right. and so Shafa is resisting the urge to relieve his pain from by sucking Nason's power, and he's resisting the urge to like break her to obey him. So yeah. it's like a whole thing, but it's it's kind of an interesting subplot. You're like, oh Shafa, I didn't know you had depth. So um, while that's happening, Nason goes back home to see her, her dad, Jija, because she goes back and forth between the, the regular calm and found moon. And Jija's like, how come you can't cure yourself yet? And you're like, Jija, will you chill? And so she's like, relax, girl. Damn. Yeah, like, like, did she not save you? She, Nason, I'm sorry. Just, Nason has saved Jija at least three times. At like, least. At 
least. Yeah. And I'm like, you really sitting here still on this like butchering or girl, if you don't move, oh my god. Right. Oh. And it's I'm a little I'm a little shocked because I I did think DJ would okay we'll get to this in this, this discussion. I, mean, I did think he would eventually get over it, but I guess not. So he's pissed and he's like, stop hanging out with it's too. He's too old for you. And he's like, just do what you're supposed to, and and then leave. You're not one of them. <laughs> what is this accent? <laughs> <laughs> Is it because part of the mafia? Like, what? <laughs> um, oh god! And so, and then Nathan's really distracted, <laughs> thinking about her dad and thinking about how he doesn't want her to be an orgy, and so it causes her to mess up her origin training. And Shafa notices, and he decides that he should kill her father, or she can move in to you know the the calm. Either or is her choice. And Nathan's like, "Yeah, right. don't." It's like there's literally a moment where Shafa's like, "Huh, your father's distracting you," and he like goes silent, and she's like, "Don't." kill my dad <laughs> he's like what <laughs> she's like yeah don't don't do that i'll figure it out um mm. but she doesn't get a chance to figure it out because while she's staying overnight at the at the foul moon she has this like feeling she's being called and i we we don't know why what i think she's being called by the moon and and it like mm. it it amplifies her powers and she's basically able to see like everything on earth like she can see that apparently there's another there's still another fulcrum running <laughs> she could just like feel mm. everything in the earth and she's like yo shit's going crazy but it freaks her out and she's she described it, she was like i was floating upwards like i was falling upwards and she wakes up and it is trying to comfort her she's like hey you're freaking out and she turns him into stone Yep. By accident. By accident. Just... Yes. The like the powers we so she like and they describe it, they're like, it's not like Alabaster's thing where he was slowly turning into stone. This is like a violent, sudden he is stone. And mm-hmm. at the same time, Jija shows up because reasons, and he's like, I don't want my daughter to be here. And Shaf was like, I guess I could kill you now. And then Jija's like, please don't kill me. And Shaf was like, Yeah, I'll think about it. So <laughs> Shafa beat the brakes. Truly. <laughs> she, like it was it was a weird party. Found it satisfying. Is that bad? To yes. Say? I just, yeah, I feel you. I, uh, like I was just yeah, but Shapa beat the bull rakes off of G to F. Like it but, wasn't um, even a joke. And she he was, it was, it was he was like, look, your like daughter. G- <laughs> Like Jesus really thought he was cute, trying to like roll up. I'm like, like Honey was not prepared in the zero percent. Like Shafa was was like, she doesn't need you. She's more important than all of us. And I can teach her how to like how much she doesn't need you now, or we could do it later. And Jesus like, okay. So Nathan is obviously shaking and freaking out because this whole moon channeling thing. I mean. Literally, we just talked to acrimony, antimony, alimony, and um, adjective, apple juice, whatever the <laughs> fuck her name is, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and alabaster. And they were like, Oh, if you channel the moon, you're gonna die. And then now we got a 10 year old who was just obviously channeling it, maybe. I don't know, it's a theory. So she's freaking out. And then Shafa comes and <laughs> sits next to her to comfort her. And she's like telling her all about this stuff. And they're like, Ooh, if the other folk comes around, they definitely felt you do that. And they're definitely coming for you. So we should probably prepare for that but also just as a reminder and she like shows her that it's is a stone statue and nason obviously is devastated because she's she's frozen she's stoned her friend and uh she only has shafa there to comfort her which is terrifying and uh that's the end of part one which was chapter 12 it's a fake part we made it up obviously yeah so we read we probably should start saying this at the beginning but yeah just through chapter 12 um Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're going to take a break. We and when we get back, we'll get into all of our thoughts, feelings, predictions, and the like. Woo!
we're back. We are. So, yes, now we're going to get into our discussion piece, um, predictions and all of that. So I'm thinking maybe to start, we can just like start with, you know, general thoughts and feelings yeah. and then just kind of move from there. I love uh, it. Would you like to start or do you want me to start? Um, I could start. Okay. I thought I liked the book. I actually... So I was reading it and I was like, this doesn't have the same feel as the first one. It's not as like fast paced. And there's not that mystery of trying to figure out who Ethan, Sinai, and Demaya are and how they relate to each other. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that could throw a lot of people off because they're like, ooh, that was like a really kind of fun trope in the first one. And it's not here. But what mm-hmm. I like about this book is that it has a lot of consequences to actions explored. So a mm-hmm. lot of things happen in the first book, right? And it ends. And you're like, oh, but you know, didn't she say like a destroy <laughs> a com and like didn't the guardians just do some wild stuff and Alabaster's gone, <laughs> you know? And so I liked reading this one because you saw the after effects of everything that happened mm. and and how it has residual effects on everything. Um, mm-hmm. I also thought it was interesting, just the the obelisks as a concept, I think became more creepy to me in this one because in the first one I was so interested in these three stories and weaving them together that I didn't really think about the world they were in. And so Mm -hmm. this book, like you were saying, it's less plot driven, but there's a lot of, well, at least so far, but there's a lot of, you really get into the lore of the, of the world. Um, Mm -hmm. So I like that. It dragged on a little. Um, Mm -hmm. I also thought Tonki's part in the story was highly What's it called? Cut short. Can we talk about it? I was like, Can we is talk Tonky about gonna it? Gonna have a role anymore? Like she kind of just like. Yeah. Are we scrapping Tonky for fucking Lerna? Like, <laughs> can we do a switch real quick, girl? Yeah. Like, I know we are not right. giving Lerna screen time. Although I will say, I did like that Lerna was there to show that, like, you know, we're kind of like, oh, Ethan's the main character. Of course, she iced the whole village, and like we're following her. Right. But it's also like. No, Ethan iced the whole village. That's awful. You know, that's that's not, right. you know, just we always think of ourselves as the main character. But if you're a still in this world and your family's just randomly killed by like an emotional origin, you're going to have feelings about it. That's true. And it gives you sort of more. It just makes the characters more nuanced. I do. Mm. I do love that Ethan is an older character. You know, like she has lived a life yeah. and she's the main character as opposed to, you know, YA usually stops at like 23 yeah, if you're lucky, it probably stops at 18. But um, so yeah, I don't know. I I'm interested to see how part two goes. Yeah, how about you? Yeah, I, I think you captured a lot of sort of my sentiments as well. It is very different from fifth season, and yeah, just ha- kind of has more of a focus on yeah, just like backstories and events and stuff. Which I actually like. That's fine. I think just for me, sometimes it's it's like. So, admittedly, you know, I know we're always like, fiction, fantasy, and magical realism by writers and la 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 la. But fantasy as a as a literary genre for me is still fairly new. I don't necessarily, mm. I haven't really historically read a lot of fantasy. So I don't necessarily know, I guess, where to place this in, in that genre. But like, I guess sometimes like the high fantasy vibes can be a little hard to follow. Sometimes I'm like, bitch, what the fuck is happening? Like, it's just like, like sometimes I, I feel like I'm a little lost. But also what I like about the book is that I think Jemison does a really good job of like keeping in mind what the reader knows at any given point. Mm. And it's like, it's to the point where like she will kind of include these like little one-liners or whatever where like, you know, for example, like 
when uh, Nason was like having that weird dream, she was falling up, and she could like kind of feel these origins in the distance. Like in parentheses, like Jimison or whoever's writing this book as the narrator was like, "Oh, she wasn't feeling Kastrima. I know you were thinking that. It wasn't that." And I'm like, "Oh, that was actually really helpful. Kind of creepy, but helpful because like right. I actually do. I did think it was Kastrima. <laughs> so I think that she does a good job. And even with Eason, right? Like Eason, I feel like has had all these conversations with Alabaster. Where he's like, "Oh, Wobbles and the Moon and la 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 la." And Eason's like, "What are you talking about?" So it's not like it's like that. It's not that thing where like people have a conversation once and like everything's just immediately understood no questions asked we're moving forward with the plot it's like no but girl i'm still confused (laughs) it's like i feel like Ethan almost doubles as a reader sometimes because it's like i actually need you to Mm -hmm. further explain this concept because i don't understand it so i think sometimes like just the the calculus of having to figure out what's going on can sometimes be a little tricky not necessarily as far as the events like the physical events in the book but just more so the lore and kind of like placing everything and figuring out like okay so who are the players why is there a season is the earth alive Mm. what are the obelisks and even for example when nason was falling up in that dream like they said that at one point this one obelisk turned it was like sapphire it like blinked for a second and started going towards her and then like somewhere else in the distance like some creature that was like humanoid like sensed her and like yeah. kind of maybe made their way towards her and i'm so like it okay it's like, like all these sorry i i don't mean to get off but it sounds like once you like pull an obelisk you get a stone eater you know what i mean <laughs> like that's kind of the yeah it's like a. It's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, because it's like like a it's like a buy one get one free like. <laughs> <laughs> get out like, a stone eater for free. <laughs> yeah, so it's like things like that where it's like there's still it's it's where it's like we're halfway through the second book, so ostensibly we're pretty much halfway through the trilogy exactly, oh, yeah. and yet it's like there's still so many things I don't know, and so I, I'm I'm curious just to see. I mean, definitely this is gonna end like. You know, with I'm sure on a cliffhanger, but like, yeah, it's just sometimes like, yeah, trying to follow it could be a little a little tricky. But I do like, I actually did not think I was going to like this, but I actually really enjoy Shafa's arc in a way that yeah. I did not really anticipate. Because at first they were like, you are Shafa. Because yeah, Jemison does this thing where like she narrates in second person, but only for Easton and Shafa's characters, not for literally anyone else, mm-hmm. just those two for some reason. And she's like, yeah, like you're Shopper, Shopa, and you know X Y Z da da da. And at first I was like, girl, you really gonna make, you really you really gonna make me read from Shafa's motherfucking perspective? Like, are you kidding me? Internalized Shafa? Are you kidding? Mm. Like, yikes! But also like just like the the legitimate change that Shafa has gone through, and like the compassion, relatively speaking, I guess <laughs> he's been able to show has been. I'm not fully convinced. I'm not like, oh yeah, girl, team Shafa, like make Shafa the main character. No one's doing that. But it's kind of like, okay, like, this is like, there's like a depth here. There's like a, things are, it's just very intricate. There's a lot going on. So I kind of find Shafa's internal conflicts and like his yearning to actually genuinely become a better person really interesting and kind of like brings up this question of like, you know, Shafa has committed just countless acts of just senseless violence in his past. And it's like, yes, it's convenient from his, like, since we're reading from his perspective and like, it's technically our perspective, like, you can kind of look at that and be like, oh, that was a previous iteration of myself. I'm a different person, da 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 da. But I think Shafa does kind of bring up this interesting moral question of like, you know, at what point, like, can you become redeemable? Like, wh- like how does redemption actually work? Like, what are the parameters around that? Because right. I find myself not necessarily saying that Shafa is redeemed, but seeing him in like a more complex light. And I don't like that moral judgment isn't necessarily as aggressive. Mm-hmm. And also interesting too, it's interesting juxtaposing Shafa as a guardian 
in his relationship to the origins versus Jija a still in his relationship with the origin. Mm. It's like with Guardians, this is sort of like in a quick dream sequence, but Shafa is from this community called Warrant. We don't know where Warrant is, but it's like just a community that Guardians come from. And they usually go through this surgical procedure where they like put some shit at the base of their neck. So that's like kind of like that control device that like kind of makes them feel pain and all of that. And so it's interesting, like, even though Shafa's done all these things to commit violence against origins and to, like, perpetuate their own enslavement, somehow I'm able to stomach that a little bit easier than, like, Jija, who just kind of has this, like, senseless hatred mm. for origins in a way that hasn't really been explained or characterized yet. Like, I don't... It's like, I can kind of better understand it from a guardian, but still, it's like, Jija girl what is your beef like what is the what is the beef like i just yeah it, it, it's i kind of want to talk super about interesting that. i think it's cool what you're saying like it's interesting to think about the fact that well the guardians are also in pain like it's not like the guardians right. and the origin are both in this weird torturous relationship they're basically pawns in this bigger moon father game father moon mm-hmm. game whereas a still isn't and so you're almost like, well, where? But then the Guardians do point out that it is their propaganda that makes the stills have these strong feelings for mm. origins. So there right. is that. And then I think just on a base level, again, it's easy to think of, it's easier to think of ourselves as the origin. But what if you really were a still? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, we don't know about Jija's family. We don't know, like, was someone killed by some orange? You know, we don't. Mm. We don't and I, I, I'm not again. Jija should love his daughter. <laughs> There's no excuse for that. But that's why I posed the question at the beginning because it's easy to think of ourselves as the good guy, but it's a little harder to try to be like everyone thinks of themselves as good guys, but bad stuff still happens. So what causes right. that? to be the case and that's so interesting because i even think about lerna right like what if Gigi went through some shit like lerna did mm-hmm. like being from a calm that was completely destroyed by an origin mm-hmm. and then having a child that was an origin if we got that like if that happened i'd be like okay i kind of see where you're coming from a little bit like this vitriol like there, there's a base for it it's not just like extracted from like the zeitgeist mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it's like an actual based in your own experience like there's like a reason for this it's not just like some idea being perpetuated by you without even realizing how harmful it is right right yeah but you're right we don't know dj might just be a jerk mm. <laughs> we don't know yeah also that and it's it's, it's interesting too because i feel like violence in this book mm. <laughs> it's just so constant that so one one thing I actually really like about this book that um I feel like yeah maybe it's just like my first time being exposed to something like this but I like sort of like the description of like just like the malaise of day-to-day life like mm. Eason is just like it's kind of like she's like in a cloud like she's like going through life but like she's just kind of in her head and everything just feels sort of nebulous in a way where it's like you're, it's like I feel like that psychological yeah impact of all of this not even just the season but just her life mm. you just feel it so well and it's interesting because even I would say as well that similarly when there's a season especially, but also just kind of in general, like when violence happens, it does it. I don't know there is a sort of like we just sort of move on kind of thing yeah. or it's like it's just normalized or it's expected or whatever. And I I like the moments where there's like a 
there's like some kind of acknowledgement. I think like like what you said about Lerna actually was like super impactful for me because it's like yeah, like it's like sure violence might be super commonplace, but it's still violence, girl. Like it's like this is like yeah, we might be reading from the main character's perspective, but like this is still these are atrocious things happening that like need to be responded to accordingly. Like I, I, I like those glimpses of like glimpses of like humanity and like okay, sure whatever it things are fucked up, but like come on y'all like we gotta like like <laughs> you know like it's just like things still mean this is things a yeah exactly it's still it does it's not it's not senseless it's not inconsequential when you do things right. like that they still have things happen and like people are affected and it like perpetuates more violence and so yeah. like we got to take that seriously so i feel like yeah exactly i, f- I feel like strangely now i was reading this because specifically of this year with like the pandemic and mm-hmm. the black uprisings in different cities and mm-hmm. um i i feel like there is this feeling i think this happened to us like what may june where we were both just like hey are you here <laughs> and we were both like yeah and they're like what is here and we we're both like mm-hmm. i don't know but we're definitely yeah. here and i feel like that the seasons really felt that made sense to me if that makes sense like mm. i could really relate to that that's sort of right time not really making much sense or mattering or or moving on and becoming a different per I, I don't think in a way that's different from when we read the fifth season the idea of being a yeah. completely different person suddenly and mm. it makes so much more sense to me now to the point that you're like yeah. would you just get a new name and you're like yeah kind of you know like i'm so so yeah. so starkly different from who i was in january that i would be like yeah i mm. probably do need a new name <laughs> yeah um, so I could really, I, th- for some, I, I was like, this book wouldn't have hit as hard. I don't think if I had read it November, 2019. I, I absolutely, absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Um, in a way that's kind of eerie, honestly, mm-hmm. like, I feel like there's certain lines or certain attitudes where I'm like, I'm not sure if Jemison meant for these to like really stick, but they kind of do mm-hmm. like, just like the kind of pointlessness of it all. just sort of <laughs> just like, everything's just kind of dragging on you're like yep i'm like this it just, it just hits different i'm like mm-hmm. this is it's wild it i'm like, like not sure if our timing with this was, yeah. was great in terms of reading this book honestly <laughs> um it feels a little too real but yeah but that's the point of literature yeah. you know yeah um, that's true so. I, I do think the violence there's almost something cyclical about the violence too right in the same mm. way the seasons like yeah uh, you know, Eason gets hurt by Shafa in this instance. And it's not just, what's interesting is it's like a societal trauma. There's like a family trauma and then there's societal right. trauma. And that institutional abuse is internalized by Eason who passes it down to Nasa. And that's so true of society, right? And mm-hmm. I like, I was like, Eason, really? You taught her the way the fulcrum taught you? And then you're like... The fucking fulcrum. Right. <laughs> but then you're like, well how else would she have taught her? And you're like, well, she could have taught her like the people of Miov. And you're like, yeah, except Enon died and was no match for a guardian. So why right. would she teach her a way that's like not going to work against a guardian when she could very well run into, you know, and I'm not saying obviously Eason's not, mm-hmm. Eason's behavior isn't good, but you do what you can in the time that you have and you think you make a choice and you think it's a good one. And 
look, Eason hasn't gone to therapy. Like, there's no, th- and she's still living Zero this therapy. very traumatized. She, there was no, Alabaster got pulled into the goddamn soil and disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> and she yeah. was left alone to deal with the pieces. And so she's not like a healthy person. She's trying to move on. And I, I think if you, if your family goes through like a war and has to flee and has to become refugees or any type of trauma, you know, you talk about the lynchings in the 1950s and the way that carries into the present, mass incarceration, mm. these traumas that are institutional or societal, you know, and then people, people raise their children with that fear in mind. Um, right. For the best, probably not. Probably not. Actually, not. Mm. But you see why. And it hurts more right. because you can understand why Eason's doing that and why she's acting the way she is. But you're just like, don't do it. Right. <laughs> and then you like, like you understand Shafa's redemption, but you're also like, but you caused this. You hurt Eason so right. badly that she she was parenting her child this way. So you can't come back and be like, you know. Right. You shouldn't so hurt I'm your nice loved ones. Now. Right. It's just, uh, <laughs> right. I mean, you can, obviously people change, but it's just, it's nuanced and it's uh, difficult. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because I, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. It's, it's like, Eason obviously could have made different choices, right? She could oh, have yeah. absolutely yeah. decided to, you know, train Nason in some other way that was more compassionate and that didn't lead to so much self-hatred, mm-hmm. but also just given the context that they're in, it, Honestly, this feeling of like self-love or self-actualization or being prideful of where one's social location is, it just doesn't feel like a luxury that honestly anyone can have, Mm. frankly. Like, it's just kind of like, yes, being prideful of being an origin would be great. Like, it'd be great if we could feel that way. But like, given this level of state violence and just how easy, like just how rampant this genocide is, like, yeah, yeah. You just have to survive, girl. And honestly, if I have to fucking break your hand in the process, that's just it. And it's interesting, too, because it's like it makes me think about Dread Nation and Deathless Divide, funny enough, because mm. it's like people do these things, heinous things, to, like, stay alive and to, like, keep going. And then it kind of raises this question of, like, okay, but, like, it gets to a point where you're like, okay, why even? Mm. Like, what, like, what are we aiming towards? And I think that's something that's, like... Eason is really struggling with it's like when you don't have a sense of direction it's like mm. you look at the struggle and you're like is this even worth it like what am I even doing this for like I'm struggling boots yeah. for what just to experience more violence like just to be discriminated against more like mm-hmm. what the fuck is the point of this like without any aspiration or like direction it just kind of seems like I'm I'm just kind of instinctually keeping myself alive because instinctually that's just what I do but right like, I mean, right. But which I think that's what? <laughs> that's why she I think latches on to Alabaster's and the Stone Eater's cause, right? Like Eason doesn't mm. care which way or the other at the moon and the earth and the fire and the yeah, you know, Eason's a, at this point, you know, the equivalent of like a ninth ringer. Like she'll surf, she'll be Pretty fine. Much. But it yeah. it she's lost and she talks about it. she's like she's lost so much and Alabaster is like the besides Nason who she I mean, again, I'm sure she doesn't run. She doesn't want to run into Jija any more than Jija wants to run into her. Come on! <laughs> but Alabaster kind of reminds her of you know he's familiar, and not just familiar, but they have a connection. And and so if there's no direction, okay, I'll take on yours. You know, if I could stop a season, maybe I'll do that. I tried. I tried being normal and having a family. That didn't work. <laughs> I tried twice. Right. So <laughs> right, literally tried twice. 
Yeah. Mm. Even just the Jija piece is so interesting because it's like, yeah, in book one, I was like, yeah, we got to find Jija and figure this shit out. Like, uh, we, uh, like I was real hype, but mm-hmm. like, I mean, okay, say you find Jija, say she kills Jija. Yeah. And then, you know, like, mm-hmm. then what? It's like you just, like, it, 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 it kind of, it's like, yeah, like when there's, <laughs> again, it's like, it's like almost like, it feels like, not to say that like she can't confront Jija ever or anything like that, but it does feel like if that were the central and only plot point, it would just kind of be like, the book would have to end there. Because if the book were to continue after that, was to follow their lives after that event, I mean, what would there be even to show for it? Like, w- like, what, like, would there be some kind of like, what would actually have improved as a result of that, honestly? Uchi's right. still dead. Jija's now dead. Nason, both of you are just like unspeakably traumatized. Like, where do we go from here? Yeah. <laughs> and so having this cause, it's like, okay, yeah, like, like exactly like you said, if I can stop a season, maybe it was all worth it. Maybe mm. there was something there that like made it like all that tragedy. At least I could do something with it, you know? And like, you know what's crazy? That actually is more like utopian than our real lives right mm. like in, in in actuality like all this terrible stuff talked about in the book could happen in real life i mean i mean there's no boiling beetles and there's no carcusa trying to eat you but you know what i mean right um and you still wouldn't be the chosen special one who's <laughs> who's mm. chosen to- <laughs> and that's, that's rough real. that's what makes this almost a fantasy right is that nason and 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 easton are most likely very important to right. the, to the plot and to the future of the story when in actuality uh, that's not how your life's actually gonna go um yeah or maybe not maybe you're like actually i'm famous and you're like, all right well my bad right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like i mean yeah like and this is not a immediately transferable type of platform or like direction that most of our lives are going to mm. go in right like it's just kind of like so in that way it's cathartic right it's like oh this yeah. all this bad stuff happened but at least easton and nason are the chosen ones you know not chosen. exactly but, so it's like when you're not the chosen one because i mean it can't be the chosen everyone i mean it could be can't be like, a chosen everyone y'all, y'all play too much look so i guess whatever <laughs> just choose to discriminate and you know enact state violence instead but um it's like if there's like yeah like if there's a select few then it's like okay well i mean y'all can look back on on your lives and kind of have a justification but it's like shit if you're someone like fucking i mean i don't even know who that third guy the guy who was just making making chicken and tiramu he was just you know (laughs) in a random house somewhere he was like oh let me get this chicken (laughs) right (laughs) let me season this chicken right quick and then he's frozen yeah and it's like okay okay so it's like your life just kind of comes to this unceremonious end yeah and kind of like it just it's is yeah it's got away from his whole family doesn't even he doesn't even find out what happened to his family (laughs) for better probably but (laughs) right and then just turn to stone yeah it's like chapter 13 and it's like yikes (sighs) how do you feel about that (laughs) how do you feel about the flying (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how do you feel about the flying obelisk in the sky and the fact that they're like into i feel like when the, when a- antimony applesauce said that um <laughs> the allegory like, <laughs> allegory <laughs> <laughs> um said that they were uh, you know interconnected i suddenly got like a very like visual picture of all these fly first of all i had to look up what an obelisk was and then that took mm-hmm. me down like a rabbit hole of like 
oh my god in a lot of weird ways we live in the shadows of great societies because the obelisks were like mm. these very there were a lot of them in Egypt and it wasn't just like and, and not just Egypt I think it was all over the, the Middle East but they like you could use it to tell the time and the sun I think there was one like the city of Alexander there was like all these books about like science and philosophy and art and like this is what's great like some people were like using these like t- these obelisks and the sun to figure out the earth was round like way before mm-hmm. Christopher Columbus and all that nonsense like spoiler right. everyone knew the earth was round except for the Europeans who then went and like Come decided on. to to travel on a boat, launch themselves across the great abyss to see what they could find. And everyone's like, you don't need to do that. Cause like you could just ask someone and they could just tell you the earth's round. And they're like, whatever. Right. <laughs> but then they're like, Oh, but like Galileo and all these other hoes, like, and it's like, <laughs> well, I okay, think Galileo so was like... ancient Rome. I think he would have known about, anyway. Oh either... shit. Was he? Ooh, I what? think so. I don't know. I don't know. So I, I'm about to be real <laughs> wrong. So I was going to be like Galileo. Um, <laughs> anyway, who? <laughs> anyway, but I, I it made me. <laughs> this is no, this is not a history podcast. Okay, so, <laughs> so. it's clearly not. <laughs> but um, it just made me think of like you know, there's the ancient Roman Empire and the Greeks, and even before that, the Persian Empire, the Egyptians, the ancient Chinese Empire. You know, um, mm-hmm. the, the Caliphate. There's been so many empires, and there, and because I think so, me and Marcy. Okay, spoiler: live in America the u.s and so we we but no even then there's empires here like there are empires everywhere that we walk yeah there are so many there are native empires like mm-hmm. we live in the ruins of empires now in our present and we just don't think about it as consciously you know because the you know mm-hmm. like you said like the washington memorial is an obelisk you think they you think america made up the no <laughs> it came from mm-hmm. another so it's just it was interesting to see that parallel, but then also on like a real frou frou superficial level, the idea of floating obelisks everywhere in the sky, I was like, "This is wild." <laughs> this is yeah, wild. it's it's just it's just, just unexamined, just there. It's like, do y'all have those instead of stars? Like, how do we put that in context? I think they have stars, probably. I mean, they're they're on Earth, so I imagine, yeah. yeah, I imagine they have stars as well. But um, yeah, I mean, honestly, the obelisks feel. Yeah, the the whole network piece, I'm like, they're okay, so the connection there is interesting. It just makes me think, I'm like, is someone fucking controlling the obelisk? Are the yeah. obelisks alive? Like, I feel like it's more going on there. Like, the the, the sentience there just feels mm. undeniable. Like, something about them being, like, these, like, rotating things. Like, I'm just like, okay, this feels, like, alive in a way. I don't, I don't know. Something about them, like, it's not even necessarily, like, a... I guess it, maybe it's kind of skews more on the sinister side of things than like not mm. but like even that i'm like okay so there's just, just these neutral like just weird obelisks just in the sky and just i don't know like orgies like connected them to shit and for like, yeah magic and also uh, i have so. another question i feel like this book club is just coming to like Akko ask marcy questions that he can't possibly know or answer but um <laughs> father earth Sent- they talk about Father Earth and the sentience. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, now, is this a metaphor, y'all? Or do you mean the Earth is actually sentient? And then I was like, okay, well, maybe you need to dissect your presumptions about sentience. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, maybe. But, like, also, is it a metaphor? <laughs> like, is the Earth actually alive? Because when Alabaster fell into the Earth, he was like, 
oh man, I saw I saw Evil Earth, and I was like, don't put me in the ground. Let this let the stone mm. eater eat me. And I was like, well, what did you see, Alabaster? Like, what? Like, what did you see? I was like, is there like a big eye in the earth, and it's just looking up at you? Like, I truly was like, I I like, what's down there? Mm. And if so, like. I don't know, like, what is the really, and they're like, Alabaster was like, oh yeah, the Earth and humans have been fighting forever. It's just humans forgot, but the Earth didn't. And I'm like, the concept of the planet that we live on being adversarial to us threw me off so much. And I I love being thrown off in stories because I truly like, I don't think of the Earth as alive. And I don't, I mean, I yeah. think there's living things on it, but I'm like, it's a rock. It's not alive. But is that true? Mm. I don't know how sentience works in the grand scheme of the universe. Like, I'm just one human. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. Because I feel like, so, I think it's both, but I think it, I think the Earth in this sense, like in, in the story, is literally alive. I think so. But I feel like, the earth is alive in a way that like it would be almost incomprehensible for us. Like, like if you, so if you move with the idea that like, okay, like the earth is living and there are also living things on earth, but like earth is itself alive. It's like, it almost makes it so that anything that lives on earth, like the version of life that they experience and what they might codify as sentience or alive or whatever is almost like a derivative version of what the earth would even consider Mm. to be alive. It's like, you are literally like, a fucking fragment of a fraction of a speck of what life is like this is not to say that earth is superior but it's like there's like it's almost like you can't even compare it it's like we might for example we might look at something that like you know it's like oh like we can decide that something is alive if they follow these characteristics but it's like to for something to be alive and not follow those characteristics Mm. or only follow some of those characteristics it's like what the fuck do you do with that and also too it's it's more comforting to think of the earth as not alive because it's like I don't want the earth to be judging me like that. right. Like, my I want life me to just... be able to kind of live my life <laughs> and do whatever. But if the earth is deciding, like it, like the idea of the earth rotating and moving through space and all of it is like a conscious act. Oh my doing, god! It feels too contemplative and honestly Terrifying. horrifying. Yeah. And I'm like, I actually don't want to think about that. I, but you know what's interesting? It's, it, that's a good it's point. Too much. Yeah, but like also like okay. So I had two thoughts. People are going to listen to this episode and be like, y'all, what? But I had two thoughts. The first one is, if, if the planet... First of all, I had three thoughts. One is, I, I think other cultures and times in the history of humans have obviously conceptualized the Earth differently and as alive. And so mm-hmm. I, I do realize that I'm thinking from a post-Enlightenment Western mm, like yeah, philosophy. And so, yeah. So mm-hmm. then I pull myself away and I'm like, no, no, no. You have other cultural philosophies you can pull from. All right. You're African. You're an immigrant. You know, think of a different narrative. And I'm like, oh, fair, <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah. Push yourself a little. Jesus. But so, so I want right. to acknowledge that. And then the second thing, since the earth is alive, everything becomes negotiation of power in a way that we think of the the earth now, the way we abuse it environmentally as something that we can just take from it's ours and ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, if the earth is alive, then it's a, it's a conversation, right? It's a relationship. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not an ownership situation. And then the second thing is, is since that's the case, there's, and this book really shows that it's, there's balances of power that need to be negotiated. We, you mm-hmm. know, we seem to forget that too. And in a lot of ways, Climate change is that conversation. It is that point that like, this is a balance of power and you're, you're not, you, this is a, or a contract and you're breaking it. Like you're not Mm. doing what you're supposed to. You're taking advantage. You're 
taking up right. arms in a way. So that was the the third thought, and then the the second thought, and then the, well, I don't know. I had a fourth, fifth, the eighteenth thought. Anyway, um, <laughs> and then the other thought is like, if there's yeah, if the Earth is just deciding things, like what if it's like you know the same way like I'm like today I'm t- like well, you know like today I'm like I'm gonna cut off my hair, and then like I never think mm-hmm. like oh man that strand of hair probably had like a whole sentient thought process of like <laughs> really wanted to stay on my head and like not be separated. Right. I'm like not thinking that. So what if the Earth's like mm, I'm just gonna like shake all these humans off of. <laughs> Like, the same way you like shake off like i don't know some dust on your skin or you like exfoliate right <laughs> maybe other plants are like oh girl are you gonna take care of that little like blemish that little human blemish you got on there and he's like no guys i really like that human blemish and mercury's like can you just like get rid of it it's like unseemly <laughs> Like it's actually kind of nasty. Like it's like hard to look at you. Right now. Like, can, you just, can you just wipe your face, sis? Like it's real. Like they really. And then you're, not, you're, you got to cleanse, girl. You got to cleanse. And then your blemish tries to kill you. Can you imagine? Oh my god! <laughs> and then it also makes you think too. It's like, what if, like, what if it's like a both and? Like, what if all of the above are true? Right. Like, what if the Earth has that relationship to us, but also things that we don't codify as alive have that same relationship to mm-hmm. us as well? Like, what if we, what if we both? are on and contain like mm. like infinite universes that like have these infinite like scopes of like life and like yeah just inside being, and outside and like it's like we're just on one yeah. of like literally an unca like an actually infinite doesn't seem like a big enough word like right. just like there's just not enough um yo cool what if all of that is true what if like what we experience to be life is literally just like like we're like just like that one oh, strand of hair on like some random person's head yeah this whole galaxy, everything. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's like a, it's like the, what's this string theory? And I think they're like, a, you know, the universe is like a loaf or just like one slice mm. of a loaf of bread. And maybe there's even other loaves. Yeah. I don't know. But I think it's kind of, and that's, okay, that's why I really love magical realism and fiction and fantasy because mm-hmm. this conversation is so much fun and kind of dope. It makes me think really hard and push myself. And I, mm. I, I enjoy that. And it, it, if we can imagine so much further out, like maybe I can imagine in my real life, something slightly unconventional and I don't have to like consume, you know, the messaging, the oppressive messaging and accept that as truth. If I c- can use mm. my imagination can spill out so far, you know? Right. And then of course, like now I'm talking to you and I'm like, Oh, we're not crazy. The two of us together <laughs> having this. Kind of thing. <laughs> Sometimes you're like, Oh, I had this weird thought in my head. I wonder if anyone will understand. And then you're like, Oh, at least my book club friend understands. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Akko will understand. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> Should we but usually it? yes. <laughs> but yeah. Wow. That is, that's a lot to think about. And then it just makes you think it's like, what the fuck is the earth getting out of this? It's like, Facts. sis, what are you gaining from? Like, it seems like an L across the board. But honestly. is it a like, gain, why, like, not gain thing? Like, is existence about gaining and not gaining? Or that's just what Oh my think? God. I know. Or maybe just to to experience. Uh-huh. To be. It's like, wow, humans were an experience. Right, right. Or that Moving happened. <laughs> right. Huh. And is it, um... So I'm like now I'm thinking about space travel and it's getting but you know what we should really do actually is probably get into our quotes and predictions, you know. Yeah, we everyone's <laughs> like, where are we going? And I'm like, 
we're done. Closing the like the tour is over. <laughs> right. Just gonna, <laughs> just gonna move on. <laughs> but um, read this book, yes. you know, because yeah, this is yeah. definitely making me think a lot. A lot. Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, shit. I'm curious to see what's gonna happen next. Right? I'm like, okay, I did not see this conversation going this direction, but here we are. So yes, okay. So real quick, I'll just do my quote. Um, it kind of just speaks to sort of what we were talking about earlier about just like the malaise of apocalyptic life. Probably should have just read it then. Whatever. <laughs> um, essentially, this is from Easton's perspective, where she was talking to Alabaster about something or another. Whatever. Here's the quote. It reads, And the world is just shit. You understand this now. You, sorry, just quick aside. Um, So whenever, yeah, Jemison says you, she's referring to like both you, the reader, but also Easton at the same time. Yes. So just putting that, yeah. So starting over. And the world is just shit. You understand this now after two dead children and the repeated destruction of your life. There's no need to imagine the planet as some malevolent force seeking vengeance. It's a rock. This is just how life is supposed to be. Terrible and brief and ending in, if you're lucky, oblivion. And I was like, that's rough, but also weirdly comforting. Um, (laughs) Just in the way that like, I don't know. I think sometimes a lot of the suffering that we go through is there's like some kind of distance between sort of like how we conceive our lives to be and what they're supposed to be, I guess. Mm. And I think a lot of what we conceive our lives as what they're supposed to be are from narratives and framings and experiences that don't actually reflect our own or that are sort of like seen as dominant, but like don't actually never really want to consider our own personal experiences. Like it's like, there's no, like, it's like, okay, like even the logic of that, right. Of saying, Oh, my life isn't supposed to be like this. It's Mm. like, well, what else was it supposed to, to be, be if like, it's not this? Right. What is the alternative, girl? Because here we are. And it's kind of like, something about that is so flat and almost like monotone that I like, it's like soothing in a way. I, I guess I it kind of, you're it, saying. for me, right. Yeah. It kind of helps me to just concentrate and be like, yeah, so this is just like what my life is. And like, let's just move with what's here, what's happening. And like, this is just it. Like, let's like just move away from the fuddy-duddy, whatever the fuck. <laughs> just like <laughs> focus on the present <laughs> rather than having the angst of you know feeling like things should be different yeah because it's like how could things have been different because they just aren't it's just a rock flying through space and you're just just gonna like live on it and die whatever and i'm just like you know that's and again i think maybe it just hits different because we're like in this fucking pandemic but like it's just kind of like something about that i'm like that's kind of comforting so anyway i think you're right because when you're a kid you like yeah there is a there's a almost adulthood almost is mourning of the ideal of idealism mm-hmm. and if you there is the danger of mourning it and and then you get caught up in nostalgia and then you get caught up in like i peaked in high school and then nothing's ever as right. good as when i was 20 but you're like that's that's yeah and you're like if i you know you're like this is how my life should have been if i had done this this would have happened and so exactly. being like okay well you know or even yeah i mean I, there's so many times where you're like if i had just been this if i had just done that why you know <laughs> but didn't happen right. did it and and, and sometimes yeah. you miss out on how great your weird unique this is kind of like um interpreters of maladies but like how your weird cool kind of odd awful life could mm. be because you're so you're so focused on what you thought it should be but and God, why in God's green earth did you think that you knew what your life should be? Have you lived it before? Like, did you? Oof. Was there? Did you go back and start over? Like, how would you know what was going to say happen? that? <laughs> like, mm. anyway, I think it's a good quote. You're right. Yeah, that's that's a 
beautiful way of capturing it. Thank you for that. Yeah. So that was just something that spoke to me. There's something else I want to say about it, but I can't quite remember at the moment, but whatever. Um, so yes. So <laughs> as far as predictions are concerned, um, so I have a couple. So okay. obviously I think that Eason and Nason are going to like come together, but it's going to be like kind of adversarial. Like they might have to like fight each other or something. I don't think, okay, maybe not like a fight, but like there will be a confrontation, I think. By the way, with, like, I want to point out that Marcy put some type of Hinata versus Neji type shit. So I just <laughs> wanted to note that for the audience. <laughs> yeah, also true Hinata versus Neji tune exams. If you're a real one, you got it. If you don't, you still a real one, but you know, Naruto. Um, Yeah, like so I think it's going to be some like, like fighting kind of like you know some kind of conflict <laughs> is going to take place especially since Nason's like team Shafa and Eason's like aggressively not, not. and like yeah. that's going to be a whole thing I definitely think that the Guardians we know that they're from Warrant but I definitely think that Warrant is inside of that volcano that Alabaster jumped into mm. And I think that they're kind of like a tool that Evil Earth created to like punish the origins that sent the moon out of its orbit. That's my theory. Um, I also feel like the narrator is not Jemison, but instead like some other characters. (gasps) During this interlude, they were talking about, oh yeah, like I've betrayed Eason already and I'll do it again and blah, 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 blah. So it's like clearly from the perspective of someone who's in the story. Yeah. As someone that we've seen, maybe. I mean, I imagine. Is it Hoa? is, it could be Hoa. I never it even could thought definitely about be Hoa. That. Or a part of me feels I I, I feel okay. I, I don't know why. Mm. I don't know why it doesn't make sense. But I kind of feel like it's like Koro or Enon from Book One. Maybe that's just me grasping oh. for straws, hoping that at least one of them is alive. Well, it but can't I can't be Koro. Koro's like, like ten. Yeah, Koro would be like a child. Uh, uh, yeah, like at this point it would be. Yeah, I guess yeah, like ten. So. I don't know. I, I I feel like it's someone who we thought was dead mm. is writing the story. Unlike some, and then Maybe there were none but because she kind of shit. Maybe, but yeah, it's definitely it's somebody. And so I'm I'm putting down my bets for Coral or Enon. Hoa also makes sense. We'll see. Man, I wasn't so. even thinking. I literally saw the <laughs> the interlude chapter and went skip. So that's the type of readers <laughs> me and Marcy. Are. <laughs> you see the distinction. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, for my predictions, I okay. So I think Ho is like related to Uche, um, mm. or maybe now that you're saying it, maybe Koro. Like you know, like I think Hoa. I don't know. Like maybe he like consumed their power, or I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking because I'm just like, why is Hoa in the story? But now maybe he's the narrator. Um, maybe, and it, and it just seems like Hoa has a more like familial relationship with Eason than Antimony Applesauce has with Alabaster, <laughs> like <laughs> antelope. Like. <laughs> um, so I want to oh, see God. that. I I think Nason is gonna have to be the one to move the obelisks in the moon. Uh, maybe it'll be like a mother daughter moment, but I think Nason's gonna be pretty. Because it seems like Nason's the only one who's got it together, and she's got to teach people this this magic that's less. It seems like she has the key to a magic that's not destructive, or at least more. Sp- I don't know. Mm-hmm. Shafa and Eason are going to meet again. There's going to be hands. Jija and Eason are going to meet Undoubtedly. again. Undoubtedly, yeah, more hands. So yeah, I'm. I don't have. I have no idea what the Earth is about. Like <laughs> I, I like none. <laughs> I don't know what the evil Earth is. After Alabaster fell in, I was like, I'm just on for the ride now. I I got no prediction. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> 
And they were like, and then, and then when that motherfucker had the audacity to be like, and then there was a civilization inside. I was like, you know what? Let me just <laughs> let me just drink some water. I'm like, I honestly don't even know. Like, it couldn't it just be he jumped into the volcano right. and it was scary. Like, it couldn't have just been, oh, Father Earth's alive. It was Father Earth's alive and there's a civilization. Girl, what? Oh my God. That's I literally facts. was weak. And I'm like, and then they're like, oh yeah, Nason fell up into the sky. And then they're like, an what? obelisk came. Okay, expected. And then they're like, oh, some humanoid thing right. that like, might be a stone eater. Who knows? It's like walking towards her. And I'm like, okay, so we're just introducing like new motherfucker. Also, <sighs> I'm sorry, I'm Nason, that you got to do all of this at 10. Like, just like you're <laughs> you're too 10, young girl yeah god damn like shit oh what if uche didn't die oh that's a great question i because i feel like they're really hard hammering like oh uche's dead but like what if he's not not dead but well nason did see the body so yeah and so did i think so did um eason Right in the book one, yeah. I think she buried him. I think he's dead, dead. Not like yeah, come that, back. Okay, Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, dead. that might be. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just trying to like look for the biggest gag at this point. And yeah, right, honest, right. I might just be. I might just be being silly. Um, well, like, no, watch it just be Hawa, and I'm like, Hawa actually made the most. Sense, so. <laughs> but then, like you so. know, like book one, chapter two. If someone had been like, so then they're gonna pull the moon back into the orbit. You would have been like, yeah, I bet. You know, like <laughs> it sounded ridiculous. So who knows? <laughs> Who the fuck knows? Yeah. Um, but you know who could know? The listeners. So, yes. <laughs> if they have any thoughts and feelings, Marcy, where can they reach yes, us? Yes, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, so the listeners, absolutely. If you would like to send your theories to us, feel free to email us at thesecolorpages at gmail.com. We also are on the social medias. So on Twitter at The Colored Pages. On Instagram, also at These Colored Pages. We also have a website at thesecoloredpages.com. Um, that we're always updating. It has like cute little updates. We have our little corners yeah. where we like reviews and shit like that. We got some content. We got some things. It's cute. Oh, whatever. So check us out. Send us the things. Also, if this left you with any sort of value or clarity or just like, I don't know, just felt good in your ears or whatever the mm. fuck. Like we would absolutely appreciate any sort of like, you know, rating, review, yeah. critique, commentary, um, wherever you listen to podcasts. A, a thoughtful and poem. All of that. Yeah. You can put that yeah. in the review. Why not? Yeah. So, yes. So, we do this for y'all. So, yeah. So, let us know what you think. But, um, yes, Akko, is there anything that we should leave our listeners with before we head out? No. I think just until the next season, <laughs> until we see you hey. next time, <laughs> just remember to stay, stay colorful. colorful.